I want to invite you to reach and grab your copy of God's Word, 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, as um, uh, we dive into God's Word. And this is kind of uh, the Apostle Paul, as he is talking to Timothy, uh, Paul knows that his ministry on earth uh, is coming to an end, and Timothy has been a protege of his. Uh, for a number of years, and now Paul's kind of delivering the last message in a good challenge, and as we uh, continue through our series in here on being fishers of men, being real men who fish for other real men, uh, I thought this was an appropriate passage for us because it gives us some principles uh, that we need to apply to our lives if we are going to share our faith with others, if we're going to have an impact on someone else's life. And so as we look at these words, notice what Paul says. Uh, pick it up uh, in verse 5. He says, but you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, he says, but you... Keep your head in all situations. Now, we can just stop right there uh, if we wanted to. We could spend a, a month of uh, Tuesday mornings right there. He says, endure hardship, do the work of evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, as we step back and stop, we know that Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is the pastor uh, in Ephesus. But he says, so do the work, do the work of evangelists, keep your head in all situations. Uh, also discharge uh, the duties of your ministry well. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He says, I, Paul talking about himself, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, as we think about that passage right there, first of all, Paul is telling Timothy, I am being poured out like a drink offering. I, the, the last drop that is left in the cup is about to be poured out. He says, the good news is that I understand that when I make my final transition, when I leave this earth and enter into heaven, I will ultimately receive a reward. Guys, we all like to be rewarded. When we work, we like to be rewarded when we get, by getting paid, right? Uh, when we uh, do something good, we love to see the results, or at least hear a thank you. Uh, we all love rewards. And Paul is saying here, listen, for a lifetime of struggle, for a lifetime of hardship, but a lifetime of faithfulness, the Apostle Paul knows that ultimately he's going to be rewarded. Now, so even before we get back to some of the other principles he shared, guys, here's what I want you to know. If you are faithful, if I am faithful, there are in fact rewards that are awaiting us. Now, we don't work in order to be rewarded. We, I'm talking about faithful work. We don't work here on this earth as it relates to uh, our spiritual life and sharing our faith in order to be rewarded with salvation. That's already been taken care of by faith and because of God's grace. That's what we talked about Sunday. But here's what we know. When we do work and serve God and serve God faithfully, ultimately we will be rewarded. And I want you to know, as your pastor, I pray that there will come a day that when I stand before God, that he would look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That he would, in fact, reward me for my days and uh, hours and weeks and years and decades of service as your pastor. I don't mind telling you that. But I also want you to know that you are going to be rewarded. 
if you are faithful to God and faithful to the gospel, you will be rewarded. Now, we're going to look at some things. There are seasons in our lives, as long as we journey in this land, that we're not going to be rewarded down here. Anybody ever done a job and have someone not pay you? It happens, right? Uh, anybody ever uh, tried a new venture, worked really hard, and it seemed to never pay off? We've all been there, right? Uh, anybody ever invested in a relationship with somebody to have them not reciprocate and it didn't go anywhere? My guess is we can all see those things. Anybody ever bought something and you don't feel like it paid off at all? I mean, there is a reality that sometimes when we are on this world and in this world that we will do things, we will put energy, effort into something that doesn't pay off. But here's the beauty of the gospel, guys, that if you and I will put in some effort, put in some energy, put in the work to be the kind of men that God wants us to be, it will, in fact, pay off. And the best payoff is not ultimately going to be found down here. It's going to be found in all of eternity. But as we go back and think, here's the idea. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to be the kind of man God wants me to be. And now the Apostle Paul gives Timothy, his protege, he gives him three clear commands. How should I make this happen? How should I do the work? And so, guys, I want to invite you, if you're taking notes, if you're watching in a Zoom online, here are three ideas for you and I if we ultimately want to get rewarded for our faith. Now, clearly Paul is talking to a pastor. But I want you to know that these three principles, these three commands, these three ideas are not just for pastors. They're for all men. And so let me give you these thoughts. Notice what he says. Back to verse 5. He says, but you, everybody say, that's me. Keep your head in every situation, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. Those three things right there. Clearly, Paul is talking to a pastor, but those things, the same three ideas apply to us. Now, I want to take them in, a, um, in the reverse order, those three ideas. Idea number one, he says, do the work of an evangelist. We've been talking about fishing for men. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've done the work of an evangelist? That when you were talking to someone or sharing with someone or interacting with someone or building a relationship with someone, that in the back of your mind, you were assessing their faith in Christ. Does it appear or does it seem that they have a walk with God? Does it appear, does it seem that they have uh, uh, you know, some sort of faith base there? Or does it appear that they have no relationship with God? When's the last time you've done that evaluation? Uh, if you're ever in a negotiation, if you're ever in a dialogue, if you're ever uh, in conflict, what is the best thing you can do? You can try to put your mind in their situation. What are they thinking, right? The best thing you can do in a negotiation, if you are in a business negotiation, uh, is you've got to understand that what they are doing, regardless if you're in a negotiated situation, what they are doing seems right to them. See, a lot of times people never get beyond the struggle in a negotiation because they, they think my way's right, the other person thinks their way's right, and they can never get to the point where I'm thinking that, well, at least, at the very least, they think what they're doing is right. Part of negotiation is trying to figure them out, right? 
I mean, if you're, if you're going to be a good negotiator, if you're in law, you got to figure out, well, well, this is what they think and this is why they think it. Here is for us. If we are going to do the work of an evangelist, we've got to begin to think, who is this person? What are they about? Do they seem to have a faith? Do they seem to walk with Christ? Do I think from some of the words that they've said, maybe they're not with, uh, and, you know, in, walking in close proximity with Christ today, but maybe they did at some point in the future? When's the last time you've tried to say, who is this individual? Guys, as men of the faith, we should always be trying to assess somebody else's walk with God. Now, not so I can judge them, but so I can, in fact, determine how can I minister to them. And so he says, do the work of an evangelist. I'll say it starts by us just examining, who am I talking to? What kind of words are coming out of their mouth? Uh, can I create a bridge for the gospel? Now, there are some other ideas. If you have assessed that someone that you know needs to be led to faith in Christ, let me just encourage you to start with prayer. Man, if you look through Paul's works uh, all the way through First and Second Timothy and elsewhere, he says, pray without ceasing. I'll submit to you, if you're going to lead someone to faith, there better be an attitude and a sense of prayer. That God, and now that doesn't mean that you have sitting, it, it would not go well if you're sitting there in front of a lost person and all of a sudden you've assessed that they are a lost person and you just go, hang on just a minute and you take a knee and begin to pray. They're going to think you're weird, all right? They're not going to get it. Why? Because they're not in the faith. But there should be an idea in your mind, Lord, just give me the right words to say. God, give me some courage and some boldness. And so start with a sense of prayer. Is there someone in your life? Let me ask you a question right now. Is there someone, and I want to see you raise your hand, same online. Is there someone in your life right now that you know is not a believer? Is there? If you didn't raise your hand, you need to go find one. Seriously. I mean, that's part of sharing the gospel and multiplying the gospel is we need to have interactions with lost people. Uh, we, we were never told in Scripture to only gather with... Now, that doesn't mean they need to be your best friends. Doesn't need to be, mean that, uh, that doesn't mean that you need to go, uh, uh, go into a work environment or sign contracts with them, but it does mean, listen, we all need people in our lives that we can share the faith with and start with prayer. Man, just as you're going to that breakfast or going to that lunch or you're going to meet with this person, just pray, God, give me the words to say. Let me see an avenue or an opportunity so I can share my faith, share the gospel. Then um, keep your eyes open for opportunities. That's the second idea. There has always been, here's what I've found, with people who I interact with who are not in the faith, there is always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity if I'm willing to look for it. You say, Pastor, what is it? Uh, well, if they talk about a family member who's struggling or sick, if they talk about a marriage struggle, that's an opportunity. If, um, if they talk about a job struggle, that's an opportunity. And all we have to do oftentimes is just have our eyes open to look and to see the opportunity. So if you're going to lead someone to faith, start by praying, have eyes for the opportunity. Here's the third thing. Have a little humility. Have a little humility. 
I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. Paul, of all the apostles, he says, For I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Man, here's Paul right here demonstrating an amazing humility that when you and I, if we're going to share the gospel with someone, we don't need to pretend that we're all that in a bag of chips. That we just need to be humble. Man, we're saved by grace. And part of that humility is this, that I, I don't look down on. It should never shock us that lost people act like lost people. It shouldn't. It should shock us when saved people act like lost people. That's what should shock us. But a lot of times, if we aren't careful, uh, people, uh, men of God, people of God can sit around in our holy huddles and we can talk about lost people acting like lost people and ignore the fact that saved people are gossiping like lost people. We need to understand that we should have the humility of mind, kind of the idea that but for the grace of God, there go I. And so have some humility, which then ultimately leads me to our next idea. Once I've prayed, once I've looked for the opportunities, once I'm going to approach them with humility, then tell your story. Tell your story. Whatever your story is. Boy, if you look in Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul is talking to the Philippian believers, and he tells his story. You want to know what Paul's story was? He says, though I myself might have had reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason for confidence in the flesh, he says, I more. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, he says, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, found blameless. That's Paul's story. What is Paul saying? I grew up a Pharisee. I kept the law. I looked at the law. I did everything I could to appease God and to please God. And ultimately, I found out that I wasn't good enough to get to heaven. That's the testimony. That's his testimony. What's your testimony, guys? What is your testimony? Is your testimony that... Uh, and there are some guys in here that, man, you lived like the world for a long, long, long time. And all of a sudden you came to faith in Christ. You've got a testimony to tell. There are probably some other guys in here that you grew up in church all your life. That you might have been saved as a young child. But you journeyed your own way. You were kind of like the prodigal son until you ultimately came back. If that's your story, that's a story to share. There are some guys in this room or watching on Zoom that um, you've walked in faith for a long, long time, and you've been faithful to God for a long, long time. But because of someone else, maybe a spouse or something, they chose to leave you. And you went through the brokenness. You went through uh, the divorce. It was a divorce you didn't want. Or a broken relationship that you didn't want. That's your story to tell. Does that make sense? We all have a testimony. We all have a story. Don't adopt someone else's story. And whatever you do, guys, 
Don't wish someone else's testimony was your testimony. Don't ever do that. Your testimony is your testimony. So in humility of mind, share your story. Look for connection points. Man, where have I blown it? Where have I dropped the ball? What have I come to learn about God and God's grace and God's favor? And then as you think beyond that, have at least a simple knowledge of what it means in a short fashion to share my faith with someone, to lead them to the gospel. If you didn't know this, if you, if you only memorize one verse in Scripture that will allow you to do the work of evangelists, here's one verse, Romans 6.23. And let me just walk you through the gospel in this one verse. If you haven't seen it, you say, man, pastor, I heard... Um, how many of you have ever taken an evangelism training class? How many of you have taken more than one? How many of you used to remember an outline to share your faith, but no longer can remember the outline to share your faith? Right, okay, exactly, exactly, right? We've all been there. We've done Evangelism Explosion or CWT or ABC, and I don't even know if that's one. We've all done one, right? And somebody's got, up, they got this incredible method that they understand the gospel as long as you understand these five points and you talk this area and then there's a scripture that goes with each one of those and an illustration that goes with each one of those. I'm just going to tell you, listen, just memorize one verse. And after you've prayed, after you've looked for an opportunity, after you've expressed humility to them, you tell your story and then connect them to this verse, Romans 6.23, if you're going to do the work of an evangelist. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just remember that one verse. That's all you got to do. And then just read it to them and break it down. Notice what he says. He says, for the wages of sin is death. Hey, what's a, what's a wage? It's a price tag, right? How many of us understand that? We, we do some work. We want to get paid in the, in the office, right? Or I'm going to buy something. There is a cost. So notice what Paul says. He starts with the cost of sin. What is the cost of sin? Death, right? For the price tag of sin, the payment of sin is death. All right. My guess is anyone and everyone, you can look at them and say, have you ever done anything wrong? Now, you've already shared your testimony, hopefully. I've done a lot wrong. I blew a marriage up, or I did this, or I did that. I used to struggle with addiction or alcohol, or man, I did this, or I, 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 I swindled someone. I mean, you've got a testimony to share. So if you say the wages of sin or the price tag of sin is death, what is the charge? What is the payment? The payment is death. So God has a choice. If he is holy and righteous, he's got a choice. He can either make me pay for my sin which, by the way, is justice, right? Or he can have someone else pay for my sin, which is grace. So who paid for the sins of the world? Jesus did. Then you're ultimately pointing to Jesus. The price tag for my sin was paid by Jesus Christ. Well, what's the ultimate price tag? Death. That's what it says. What did Jesus die Track with me, guys. What did Jesus do on the cross? Somebody tell me. He died. All right, look, we're halfway through the verse, right? The price tag of sin is death, 
If I die for my sins, that's justice. If someone else dies for my sins, that's grace. What did Jesus Christ do on the cross? He died on the cross to pay for my sins. Not just my sins, but the sins of the world. Well, that's good news. That is bad news, and it's good news. It's good news in that someone else paid for my sin. It's bad news that my sin deserves to be paid for by death. But notice the verse doesn't stop there. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but... That's a solid word there, right? That means what comes after is distinctly different than what came before. What came before? Paul says a clear statement. The price tag of sin is death. What did Jesus Christ do on the cross? He died on the cross. But notice this, the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here it is. The work side of the ledger is my sin my failures deserve to be paid for by death. Ultimately, I've got two options. I can pay for my own sin with my own death, or I can look at the grace of God and the goodness of God at what He did through allowing His Son to die on the cross for my sins. So then what do I do? If I choose to receive Jesus' death on the cross, it is finished, it is paid for, then I receive the grace of God. How do I receive the grace of God? Just like I receive anything else. What does it say in this verse? It is the gift of God. If I walked by and gave one of you a gift, and I wrapped it up and I put a bow on it, I mean, I made it really pretty. I even put your name on it. Two, which this will never happen, by the way. I never put labels. I'll just give you something. I probably won't even wrap it. But if I put a bow on it, put wrapping paper, put it in a box, said, to you and from me, and I handed it to you, and you said, wow, and I said, it's a gift for you. And you go, thanks. And I go, that'll be $70. <laughs> How many of you think that's a gift? You'd probably look at me and say, I don't want it. Right? But what if I'd done my research and found something that you really need? You really need. I'd called someone in your life and said, hey, what do they really need? And they said, they need this. And I went out and found it. And I brought it to you. And I gave it. I paid the price. And I gave it to you. I said, no, it's yours. And you opened it up and you're like, dude, that's an expensive gift. And I might go, I know. But it's what you needed. I talked to some people in your life, and this is what you needed. And you go, can I pay you anything for it? Not a thing. It's a gift to you. See, that's what salvation is, guys. The price tag for my sin and your sin is death. If you pay it, if I pay it, it's justice. Why? Because here's what I've learned about my sin. See if y'all can connect with this. I was always there when I committed a sin, right? I remember when my parents were asking me questions, I always loved to blame my brother. But I was usually a voluntary participant. Am I the only guy in the room? I was there, I was always at the scene of the accident. And so the price tag for my sin is death. For God to make me pay for it, it's just justice. 
But listen, if I allow Jesus to pay for it, which is the way God wants it, and simply receive the gift, I pay nothing. Why? It's already been paid for. And the best thing about it, it's exactly what we need. But guys, for you and for me to sit here and celebrate the fact that I've received the grace of God, but not be passionate about delivering the grace of God to someone else, man, that's selfish. That we need to be looking for someone that we have relationships with each and every day or each and every week or every month, and we need to share the gift of God's grace with them. That's why Paul says, listen, Timothy, when you get all wound up in your pastoring or or a life group teacher when you get all wound up with your life group or or deacons when you get all wound up with your deaconing or guys when you get all wound up with the things that you do don't ever forget to do the work of an evangelist and so I love that idea that as you and I journey forward we need to pray we need to be humble We need to share our story. And sometimes the part of our story that most connects with lost people is the part we might want to forget about. Then we need to tell our story and share the gospel. If all you have to do is remember one verse, here it is. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But remember, Paul told him three things. Thought number one is do the work of an evangelist. Thought number this, number two is this, endure some hardship. You know what he was telling Timothy? Is just because you follow me, just because you pastor a church, Timothy, it doesn't mean life's always going to be easy. Guys, here's what we need to know. As people of the faith, life isn't always going to be easy. There are going to be seasons that we as men go through broken relationships. We as men fail miserably. We as men sometimes struggle with addiction. We as men uh, lose the job. And we're going to go through those things. Notice what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He talks about uh, enduring hardship. He says, do the work of an evangelist, endure hardship. He says, I more, I have worked harder, been in prison more, more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Look at verse 24. Five times I received lashes from the Jews, minus one, uh, 40 minus one. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, danger from fellow Jews, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city. Can you imagine if if Paul was on social media today? You would think, is this real? I mean, is, is this happening to him again? Man, danger from fellow Jews, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger in the sea, danger in the from false believers. He says, I've labored more and I've toiled more often without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, have often gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. What is he saying? Man, just because I follow Christ, 
just because I'm in the faith doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. Guys, Christians do get sick. Christians do have family struggles. Christians do lose their job. Christians do get depressed. So we need to do the work in evangelists, but we also need to endure hardship. I ran across an interesting idea on this idea of hardship. One commentator said, to endure hardship is more than just continuing to exist. I'm going to say that again. To endure hardship is more than just continuing to exist. If, you, if you're going through something hard or difficult right now, guys, you want to more than just make it. You want to get beyond it. And notice what else Paul is doing here. He's sharing his story. Every one of those incidences were part of his story. All of those things added up to make Paul who he was. So if you're going through something right now, if you're going through something right now, you need to chalk this up and say, man, I don't get it. I don't necessarily want it. But this is part of my story that will allow me to share my faith with someone else and connect with someone else. So whatever you're going through, it becomes part of your story. And that means that as I understand, all right, all I can do right now is be faithful to God. I can just trust God. I can serve God. I can love God. I can't necessarily change my circumstances right now. Now, let's all be honest. There are hardships I bring upon myself, and there are hardships that just show up in my life. How many of you understand the difference? Man, if we roll out of here and we make a bad decision, and we bring the hardship on, our, on ourselves, the best thing I can do is learn the lesson and not repeat the failure. But there are other times that, man, hardship just shows up. I was on the phone with um, a member of our church yesterday. Pretty tall executive. Just got shown the door because of company cutbacks. Nothing he could do about it. They said, listen, June 15th is your last day. Thanks for your 37 years of service. How many of you think it's going to be hard for a guy like that to find something else? <clears throat> COVID. Couldn't do anything about it. Happened to be in an industry that was lit up by it. What are the numbers guys doing? How can we cut costs? Look around. Some stayed. Some didn't. We were talking yesterday. Part of your story is going forward. And he said this. Because as I was talking to my wife, he said, we've always said we had faith. He goes, we're probably about to need it. You know, it's easy for us to say, I got faith in God. Until all of a sudden, I don't have a check. 
until all of a sudden seasons get hard. But guys, that's where we have to understand that we have to endure hardship. If it's a self-inflicted hardship, I want to learn the lesson, ask for forgiveness, not repeat the failure. If it's something that's just like that example I just shared with you, where, man, they're now going through something they never thought they were going through, that all of a sudden all you can do is trust God, just realize I'm going to be faithful to God, I'm going to walk and follow God, and it's going to be part of my story that I can share with someone else. So Paul says, do the work of an evangelist, endure hardship, which means I'm going to end up on the other side more than just existing. And the third thing, notice what he says. Keep your head in every situation. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Keep your head in every situation. You know what he's saying? There's a tendency for us as followers of Christ, and Timothy, Paul is saying, there's a tendency for you, Timothy, when things get hard, you're going to lose your noggin. How many of you have ever lost your noggin in something? You just, I mean, you've just, man, I walked away and go, yeah, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. How many of you understand? Or that was not the, the best thing to do. How many of you have ever had a relationship with someone that you have prepped in your mind, here's what I want to say and here's not how I want to say it. And here's what I want. And then all of a sudden you show back up and they say that thing that sets you off again and you fall right back into the old pattern. You lost your noggin again. We've all done it, right? Paul is saying, listen, keep your head in all situations. What does that mean? That you and I, as we journey through life, we need to do the work of an evangelist. We need to endure hardship. We need to keep our head in every situation. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe you have a hot head. Maybe you have a tendency to deal with problems or hardships uh, through alcohol or some other uh, medicative way. Maybe you have a tendency to withdraw from people. Man, he's saying keep your head in every situation. Don't lose it, Timothy. He's saying, John Mark, whatever you do, don't lose it. Man, sometimes it's during the hardship. It's during the difficulty. I, I, love, uh, I, I love the story. If you go to the book of Judges, in uh, Judges chapter 6, how many of you remember a guy named Gideon? Remember the Midianites would all wait for the harvest to show up. The, uh, the Midianites would roll in. They would take everything the Jews had. And so here you had Gideon. He was, uh, uh, he was out there basically uh, threshing wheat uh, in a wine press. He wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. Now, apparently Gideon was, was kind of a salty character because God shows up to him. The angel shows up to him and says, man, you're a mighty warrior. So it, is, it apparently demonstrated something in the past. But in this moment, he's hiding out. And the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, listen, I want you to go fight for me. I want you to be a judge. And Gideon says, man, I really don't know. And we've all heard about Gideon's fleece. How many of you know Gideon's fleece? Boy, I wish we could use the fleece all the time and just figure everything out. But then the angel of the Lord said, listen, we're going we're to deal with the Midianites. But first, before you do that, the angel of the Lord says, y you probably need to go back to your own home and tear down the idols in your house and your place. And Gideon thinks, this is not going to go well. And I love what the angel of the Lord says to Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, verse 28, 23, But the Lord said to him, 
peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. I think that's what Paul is kind of saying to Timothy. Most of the time, guys, when we lose our head, it's because we get angry, we get mad, someone doesn't respond the way we want them to respond. It's not that we're actually going to die. So as you and I journey through life, as we think about doing the work of an evangelist, as we think about enduring hardship, don't ever forget to keep your head. Don't lose your noggin. Most things won't kill us. Some can. So as you journey in your relationships with lost people, through difficult seasons and difficult situations, always keep your head. Well, what might that mean in an evangelistic situation? That if you're trying to reach someone who maybe has a struggle or a temptation that you know they fell over and over and that happens to be one of your temptations, you might need to keep your head and stay away from that. That means you can't share your faith with them. But you may need to be careful. Keeping your head. When they ask you a question, and a lot of people, and more and more when they, they do the resource, research as to why people don't share their faith, one of the most common denominators why people don't share their faith, they're afraid a lost person will ask them a question they can't answer. Anybody in here ever afraid of that? Keep your head. How do you respond? I don't know the answer to that question, but I can get back to you on it. Keep your head. Besides, why else do we want to keep our head? It's an incredible testimony. When we go through harsh and hard and difficult circumstances, and as followers of Christ who say, God can handle my eternity, the best thing we can do in every situation is keep our head. So as you leave here today, guys, whose path are you going to cross? that you need to share, the faith, share your faith with? What hardship are you going to endure and not just simply survive it, but dominate it? And then finally, what situation are you going to find yourself in today that you need to keep your head? If we do those three things, I believe strongly our families will be impacted by the faith. Those we have relationships and our friends will be impacted by the faith. It will, in fact, change the corporate environment in your office, in your space, in your place. Those three things. Work with an evangelist. Endure hardship. Keep your head. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity just to open your word and hear what Paul told young Timothy. God, as we leave here today, I pray that we would be evangelists, that we'd be people looking to share our faith, people looking to endure hardship and willing to endure hardship for Christ's name's sake. And in every situation, God, let us keep our heads. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you.